If you'd like to, you can take out uh, the green flyer for uh, our message today as we get going. Um, graduation Sunday, you're stuck with me, so I'm up here. Uh, and so uh, each year in student ministries, we choose a theme or a series uh, to, not a series, a theme that we cover the whole year. Kind of wraps up everything that we're doing, everything that we're talking about, kind of fits under one umbrella. Uh, you've heard some of them from the church as we talk about our in, our out, and our up relationship. And so our relationship with the church family, our re- up relationship with the Father. Uh, this year our focus was talking about our out relationship and how do we reach out and love the community around us and how do we go after that. And so our year this year was focused around the idea of be bold. Uh, and so this is what we've been talking about. And so since I'm only up here one to two times a year, uh, I figured this is probably an appropriate week just for me to share with you guys about what God's been teaching me. Uh, and to share this is how God's been working it and pushing me as we've gone through this year talking about being bold because this is not something that is me. <laughs> and so, uh, but let's pray as we get into our message this morning. God, you are good. Um, and I thank you that you have given us your spirit, a spirit of power um, and of discipline and of love. And thank you that you are with us each and every day. And I pray that as we open your word, that you would teach us, that you would uh, get me out of the way and that your spirit would move and work in this room, that you would make us aware uh, of what's going on and um, of what you want to teach us. Uh, and may we take what your word says and apply it to our lives so that we can be uh, a family that loves uh, the community that you've placed us in uh, and teach us today uh, as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So. Uh, event after event through scripture tells the story of men and women who courageously and sacrificially uh, and boldly have obeyed and followed God, even if it means putting their lives at risk. And so you can take a minute uh, and probably think through, like, everybody, homework assignment. I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, but I want you to come up with one or two or three people that you would say, here's a scripture from character, a person from scripture, character from scripture, not a scripture from character, but a character from scripture who I would say would define uh, a lifestyle that is bold. Um, someone who takes risks for their faith. So if you want to write that at the top of your notes real quick, but what are two or three people that you can come to mind with? That's my pause moment. For me, people come to mind like Joshua and Daniel and Nehemiah, uh, Esther. Uh, I think of Mary and uh, Ruth, so many people um, who take risks, people who did things, and it was second nature. Um, like Abraham, God calls him, he's like, okay, let's do this. And so often that's not me, and I get intimidated, and that whole idea of boldness to go and uh, to, to be light in the world is a difficult thing. Uh, and so I struggle with that, and I challenge that, and it, I take a lot of comfort knowing that the most common command in Scripture is uh, do not be afraid or don't fear. And uh, it's actually in the Bible 365 times. So there's a verse for every day of the year that God reminds you, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Like, I'm with you. In fact, so often it's commanded, like, no, like, be courageous, Don't be afraid, but have courage. I'm with you, and I'm going to go with you. And so today, as we open up God's word, um, 
that's what we want to look at. For me, I, th- I think Paul kind of stands uh, as like a pinnacle, uh, like a face on Mount Rushmore for characters in Scripture that would be bold. Uh, the, as far as people who s- brave and unapologetically unashamed messenger of the gospel, like Paul was there. And we just finished up last week uh, looking at Romans 11, and we've been spending a lot of time in the book of Romans. For the last two years, we've been on and off kind of studying Romans and what God has to teach through Paul as he writes to the church in Rome. And so we finished up Romans chapter 11 last week, and Dave in that chapter last week mentioned the idea that the first 11 chapters have been focused on doctrine. Uh, and the theology of what we believe about God. And he takes chapters 1 through 11, and before moving on to chapter 12, he says chapter 12 jumps into the more practical side. And you jump in and you need your theology before doxology. And that your theology is what defines your worship. And when you know who the character of God is, then it's easier that your natural response is to worship. And so um, as we go through this, uh, I see Paul and... Um, Paul was a bold character, and in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he actually says, imitate me as, all, as I also imitate Christ. And to me, this is a crazy statement because there's not too many times that I want to say to all of our students, hey, just do what I do. In fact, sometimes it's better if I say, don't watch everything I do because I make mistakes all the time. And so did Paul, but Paul said, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's really the goal for all of us that we would live lives that we could say, hey, imitate me, follow me, do what I do as I am doing my best to follow and pursue Christ, to be that person. And so um, that is really our goal today. Like, are we people that are living a life that is a bold life that we could turn around and that we could say to other people, imitate me, follow me, do what I do as I am trying to do those exact same things as I follow Christ. So... um, Romans 11 talked about our theology. Um, Paul intentionally discipled and mentored many people, uh, many people through Scripture to live effectively for God, uh, and that's what he did as well for Timothy. And so we actually wrapped up our school year doing a series looking at the life of Timothy, and to me that jumped out to me. And there was a passage that that stuck in my head um, for the last several weeks, but uh, I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 17, and that's on the back of your notes. It'll be up on the screen as well. Um, And so let's just take a look at that. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those that taught you, and you know that from infancy you have, been, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation. Through faith in Christ Jesus, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man or person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love this passage, and it's just kind of stuck out to me. And so today I want to look at this section of scripture to kind of talk about what are the steps 
to a bold life that impacts the world for Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So it starts with the bold trust. That first word in that list of uh, references, it says, you have followed my teaching. And so Timothy had partnered with Paul and followed him around. He had gone on a couple of his different missionary journeys. And as Paul was with, or as Timothy was with Paul, Paul's like, you know what I've taught. You know the content. So this, this word for, uh, for teaching here is Paul says, you know the content of my teaching. You know the things that I taught. You know what's in Romans 1 through 11 as far as the theology of God. You have that down. You understand the good theology so that you know what to believe. He points out even um, looking at his family and, and Timothy's background, he says, but look at you. Um, continue what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from the infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through Christ Jesus. Timothy, you've had a good upbringing. Paul points out in Timothy about his mother and his grandmother who taught him the scriptures. You know faith and then you traveled with me and you know what I taught. Like you have all this down. You have the upbringing. You have the background you know where you can find out the information that you need to know about who God is and who Jesus is and what he desires for you to do. The content is there. The question is, do you trust it? You've got the history, you have the knowledge, and what are you doing with it? Continue in what you've learned. And that continue is a a thing there because Timothy was a a young man. I have no idea how old he was. Um, I read somewhere that somebody was guessing that he was in his teens, and I usually think of him more as his 20s, early 30s, but like a younger younger man to lead a church. Um, And Timothy is, is leading this, and he says, continue. You have the knowledge, but you need to keep studying. You need to keep digging. This whole idea of knowing everything that I need to know about God is never done. Like, I continue to do this. I continue to look after this. I continue to pursue God and what I'm doing, and I need to know more. Keep digging. Rely on the solid people that you have around you. Rely on, like, you have people here that you can ask questions. And who are the people that I can trust with the questions that I have of my faith, regardless of my age? Whether I'm in, uh, whether I am a student or whether I'm an adult, whether I'm an elder or brand new, Like, do I have people I can turn to to ask questions? And so we have these people around us. We have the book, the Word of God, to help teach us and to train us. And so the first step to a bold life, for me, is this bold trust. Like, you know the teaching. You know who God is. And as it says here, uh, the wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. You know what you need for salvation. You know what you need to know to be rescued by God. So we start with a bold trust, trust, but it doesn't stop there. The bold trust also requires consistent choices because they have to be partnered together. And it says, so you know, you know my teaching, but you also know my conduct. This is a, a Greek word that basically is just saying my, my way of life, my manner of life. Um, you saw what I teach, but you also saw that I lived it out. You saw that my walk matched my words. And do your actions match up and live and and meet up with what you say you believe. I can quote all sorts of scripture, but does my life, whether I'm here, whether I'm with my neighbors, whether I'm playing sports, whether I'm whatever I might be doing, does my life match up with what I say my faith is based around? Does my conduct match my teaching? 
And so Paul says, you know this. Like, you, you watched me. Um, you didn't just, like, sit there and learn from me, but you watched and saw that what I did matched up with what I said. Timothy watched Paul choose Jesus' way more than he chose Paul's way. Because the way of Jesus was actually often upside down, a little bit backwards from most other people and most other teaching. Most people would have a hard time when, when Paul says, uh, or when Jesus says, hey, uh, love your neighbor, uh, love your enemy, forgive those who persecute you, um, turn the other cheek. There's all sorts of commands of God that are just seem a little bit off. The fact that the last will be first or to, um, that to lead you must serve. The first will be last. Like those are confusing, interesting topics that you're just like, that does not seem like for in the workplace, for me to be at the top of my game, it does not say I should be a servant and seek to be the lowest. And yet Jesus is like, no, it's okay. I want you to trust that I have you and I want your actions and your lifestyle to back that up and to represent that. Um, for Paul, my, his beliefs form his choices and actions. And so we came out of a section last week looking at Romans 11 and looking at the theology. And as you jump into Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2 always jump out to me as one of these things that kind of do that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so you take the theology from Romans 1 through 11, and before, as last week we looked at the doxology, the last three verses of Romans chapter 11, which was Paul was like, here's our response. And now because we know who God is, we worship. And we praise God. And he turns around in chapter 12, he says, you want to know how you worship God? Live your lives as living sacrifices. That you stop and you surrender and you say, it's not what I want, but it's what you want. And these are two of my uh, interesting words. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. When I think of conformed, this is, this is what I, it's, is easy. It's to go along with the crowd and do what everybody else does. Uh, to conform is jello. Like it's poured into a mold and that's what it is. Jello takes the shape of whatever the container it's in, and it's just, it conforms to wherever it's at. But yet I could take a piece of paper, um, and you can transform a piece of paper. Well, I can't transform a piece of paper, but many people can. Uh, and you can fold it and shape it to whatever you want it to be, whether it's a flower or a hat or a boat or one of those little weird things that you open and close uh, that we made in school, and I never figured out how to do it and was always left out. Um, but you can transform to something new and something unique and something that's different and they're never exactly the same. And God says, I want you to stand out and I want you to be transformed. I don't want you to just fit in. I want you to be different. I want you to be made in something, into something that's unique and special that's, that can be useful. A bold trust in God leads to consistent choices. And that consistency of being made new and being transformed by God, which then leads, uh, 
that we embrace our purpose, where Paul just says, you know my purpose. You know what I was here for. You know what I was living to do. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says, my role is to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And Paul over and over says, no, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, I know what my purpose is. I know why I'm here. I know what I'm doing. As a church, we say that we want to be a family on mission, that we want to help people follow Jesus together. Like, that is our purpose. Or uh, it might be to, to know God and to make him known. Going back to some, a little bit of, I guess that's not church history, but um, constant popular sayings of what is my purpose do I know what my purpose is? But Paul didn't just say that this was my purpose. His purpose shaped who he was. It's one thing to say this is the purpose that I have. Um, but as you begin to turn to God in times of uncertainty, whether it's decisions about life or trying to figure out your future or figuring out jobs, uh, working with your family, or like, well, just what do I do in these different situations? As I turn to these things and I stop and I see God show up, and I see the faithfulness of God in small things and be able to trust more and more. And so I start with, okay, God, where do I go to school? Or God, what do you want me to do with my life? Or God, should I serve you on this trip? Or should I serve someplace in the church here? And you see God be faithful and use you, and all of a sudden you're just like, okay, so now what's next? And as I begin to take steps each and every time, um, when you experience peace in situations that cause trouble and you recognize that God is faithful and with you, it becomes more and more a part of you where it's easier and easier to say, no, I trust and that this is my purpose, that people would know God because of my life. That's my goal. That's what I do. That's what drives me. And do we have the same purpose as Paul to say that I want people to know Jesus because that's who I am. Like, this is my purpose, that I would let people know who Jesus is, that I would know him and tell other people. Um, so we embrace our purpose, and we can expect, uh, lastly, we can expect opposition. Paul says, you saw this, you saw my teaching, you saw my conduct, you saw uh, my purpose, you knew my faith, my life, the way that I love people. You also saw my endurance, and you saw the things that I went through. You experienced the things that I went through, Timothy. And you were with me and you followed me. Um, and Paul gives a warning. All who want to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. When my purpose becomes part of who I am, I don't necessarily have questions when people are like, uh, that seems weird. That seems wrong. That seems off. Like, I, I don't agree with you. And I say but I'm confident in who I am. It comes down and we can, we can expect opposition. We can expect persecution. Um, nothing else mattered to Paul except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that was an interesting verse. Like, people are being turned away from God. People are being led astray. And then even more so. So they're, they're denying God, they're rejecting God, but they're also uh, even, more, they're being deceived while deceiving others. So as I get confused in what I'm believing, I'm also leading other people down the path of confusion. And sh we should expect the persecution. We should expect to be um, 
yeah, we should expect things to not go our way. And if I embrace for that because I know what I believe and because my life is following God with everything that I have and as my purpose becomes part of who I am, when those things happen, I'm okay. I'm not, question, I'm not rocked and I'm not questioning what do I believe and what am I doing and why am I doing this. So your beliefs and your actions and your purpose can prepare us for anything that comes our way. Um, why? And it says, so that the man of God may become complete, equipped for every good work. I live the life that God wants me to live so that I can be complete and equipped ready for every good work, ready for everything that God has for me. So my question for you today is, what is the good work that God has for you? What is the thing that God's putting in your life right now? I know for myself, I have a neighbor who wants nothing to do with Jesus. So how do I love him well? And how do I care for him? How do I help him? How do I help point to Jesus, somebody who doesn't want to know Jesus? And so it starts with, how do I love him well? But what is the good work that God's preparing for you? Um, To go to a college or a new career and live boldly for Christ? Is it to parent your children well uh, and to point them to Jesus at every opportunity that you have? To be ready to respond to a random question or a comment that comes up at work or at school uh, about church or about God? To stand up for your faith and to say that this is okay? You might be being equipped to serve and to mentor kids here at Calvary or with ABCs and the D as that starts up in the fall. Like, what are opportunities? What is, what is it that God is calling you to? Because he wants us to do it. It's not just about studying the word. Many of us memorize 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching Uh, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, but finishing it off so that we can do something, so that we're equipped for every good work. It's not just to know God. My trust has to lead to action. And so we live the life, a bold life for Jesus that is able to change the world. And if we're doing that together, we have a community that's not the same. We have a community that feels cared for and loved, people that feel like they matter. And not just matter to God, but matter to us. So are we living a life that's doing that? God could be equipping you for any number of things. But this bold life helps us recognize that the Spirit is moving around us so that we can be ready to respond at any moment. Are we willing to live boldly? Let's pray. God, you are good. I pray that this is the life that we would desire, that we would like to be like Paul. That nothing else would matter but Jesus Christ and him crucified and the salvation and the rescue that's offered through him. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for rescuing us. And may we pursue you with everything that we have. May we trust that you are who you say you are and may it affect the life, the decisions that we make as we go. May we choose you and follow you and boldly proclaim the hope and the peace and the rescue that is offered in Jesus. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen.
I'm so glad that all of you got to just get a really small taste of where we as student ministries have been living for the last eight months, whatever we've been in for the school year. It's just, uh, it's been an awesome challenge for us to look at what does it mean to be bold in our everyday lives. And I don't know about you, but I love comfort. I love just being able to do what is comfortable and what is not challenging and what doesn't push me. And I am extremely averse to awkwardness. And uh, I, I know that some of you feel that same way too. So when we talk about what it means to be, be, to be bold, to step out, to put ourselves maybe into some of those awkward or new situations, it can be challenging. And so for me personally, I know for Phil, both of us have a similar personality. This idea of being bold can be difficult. So I want to encourage you if you're like, I don't want to be bold. That's okay. There's a lot of us who are there in that, in that place, but it's something that we are called to. Speaking of being bold, we want to take some time now to recognize our grads, both our high school and our, our post-high school grads. And uh, I want to say something to our senior class. All of you are stepping out of something that is very known. You have been in school for the last four years, or you know, you've been in school for most of your life, and it's something that you know and you understand. You are stepping out into this new, whatever it may be, college or a career or whatever, it's going to require some awkward moments. It's going to require you to step into that and be bold. And so right now, as a congregation, we want to just take today, take this opportunity, the rest of our service, to honor our grads. And so that is what we are going to do right now.